Hello, today I have the lovely Maggie with me. Hi, Maggie, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure, Donna. Thanks for having me on your YouTube channel. It's, it's great to be here. My name is Maggie James. I write psychological suspense novels. I'm full time and have been for about six years now. Um, I've written eight novels and one novella and one non-fiction book. Um, absolutely love writing. It's what I always wanted to do when I was little. And I'm, I'm very happy that I'm now lucky enough to, to be a full time author. And as we were saying, just before we started recording the call, to have so many wonderful author friends as well. You know, the writing community really is lovely. And you've just released your first new book for just over a year, isn't it? Um, in longer. I know it's been a while. I think it's about 18 months. Yeah, my last one, um, Silent Winter, was released in December 2019. So, yeah, it's been quite a while for various reasons. But, yeah, I'm very happy to say that um, She'll Never Tell was released on August the 31st. It's now available in both ebook and paperback. And um, it's getting some great reviews, which is always very encouraging for an author. So that's good. Because it's a great book. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Always good to hear. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's a very sort of challenging time, I think, for many authors when they publish a book. You never quite know how it's going to be received, how people will like it, not like it, whatever. So yeah, I'm pleased so far that you know it's all going well. I think that meant a lot. Yeah, I think that meant a lot for me because I did have a hiatus with my writing. You know, at one stage I doubted whether I wanted to continue, and you know, it was it was tossing. Uh, I don't know it's very difficult to decide which way to go at, at one point but you know I'm pleased I can decided to carry on and uh, she'll never tell us a result so um, I'm happily you know back as a full-time novelist now which is great. And uh, for anyone that hasn't read or seen anything about it do you want to just give a little sort of summary of what it's about? I will do. I mean, it's hard to do that without giving uh, plot spoilers. So uh, basically the idea was percolating in my head for quite a while, really. I had this idea to either write a book about a woman who, after her death, it was found that she'd never had a child, even though she had a, a woman who everyone regarded as her, as her daughter, or to go the other way and have a woman who um, swore that she'd never had children, and yet it was found that she had had some children. And I couldn't decide between the two options. So in the end, I decided to combine them all in one novel. So you've got one character called Sonia, who after she dies in the first chapter of a novel, um, the post-mortem reveals that she's never actually had a child. Maybe that's a bit of a plot spoiler, but hey. And there's also Elena, who um, is the other way. You know, she's, she says to everyone that she's never had children. And yeah, it, you know, um, the evidence suggests that she has actually had some children. And it's a story of how those two stories actually dovetail. And also the effect on Sonia's daughter, Olivia, who's actually devastated by, A, firstly, her mother's death, and then the results of the post-mortem. And, uh, yeah, things get quite twisted after there. So it, it was great fun to write. <laughs> and there's very much um, a nature versus nurture sort of uh, storyline as well, isn't there? I Yeah, I hadn't actually planned that, but yeah, I guess that does factor into it. Yeah, so it's nature versus nurture does come up. You know, again, I can't say too much without giving plot spoilers, but yeah, that was that's always an interesting theme for, I think, for novelists to examine anyway. So, yeah, it was great. I mean, the novel went through various incarnations. I mean, at one time it had a totally different ending, you know, it had 
very different characters. My first drafts are always a mess and they always change incredibly, you know, between like the first draft and the finished product, which is not unusual for me. So, yeah, it was a twisted process to get the book to its final stage, but got there in the end. Once once I sort of revised the plot, everything fell into place quite quickly and the final novel did, you know, get to the final stage quite quite quickly. And did you find after such a long break that you managed to sort of get back in the groove quite quickly or did you find it difficult? I found it difficult for many months. You know, my my lovely accountability buddy, you know, sort of had months and months where I'd come on our weekly calls and I'd say, oh, no, I've not done anything this month and everything. I think only the only thing which sort of got me out of this kind of funk I was in was to, to remember how much the only thing I'd ever wanted since being a child was to be a novelist. And I thought... I can't possibly have written all I need to say after just seven seven novels. And I just thought, I'll just, I'll just give it a go. I'll get back to this novel and really sort of see, you know, if I can reconnect with the story and if I can make something of it. And that's basically what I did. The minute I stopped, you know, sort of procrastinating, I actually buckled down and, and got into the novel. Things started flying, you know, sort of momentum started happening. And yeah, I reconnected with my love of writing, which just for whatever reason went into, you know, into a black hole for quite a while. So yeah, it was good. You know, I've, I felt again what it was like, that love of writing, you know, to sit at my day and spin words and stories. It, um, that was that was one of the most positive things about she'll never tell for me it did rekindle that spark for me which you know fingers crossed you know will stay in place who knows i think a lot of writers go through periods when they question you know what they're doing whether they want to be a writer it can be it's a difficult profession in many ways even though it's extremely rewarding so i think i just went through one of those those times so hopefully all now sorted yeah, well, we all hope so anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Donna. You've always been really, you know, supportive, uh, not just to me, but to all authors. So, yeah, thank you. It really helps. You're welcome. <laughs> um, out of all the books you've written so far, do you have a favourite character? Favourite character? Let me think. Um, I'm going to say two characters, the good is and the bad is. I think my favourite bad guy was Dominic from of a second captive I and mean, he was great fun to write because it's a, I think it's the only time I've I've actually written the antag from the antagonist point of view um in all my other stories the antagonist has been there but has seen through the lens of other characters with Dominic I actually got into his head and told his story to reveal why he was as warped as he was and I think that's what made him more special to me you know I sort of connected with him on that level and you know, I was keen not to make him like a cardboard cutout villain. He did have, you know, some good qualities. And among he was just a very damaged character, basically. He did have, if he'd had a different upbringing and a different father, he would probably, you know, not be the man he was. But yeah, I think my favourite bad, bad guy is probably Dominic. Let me think about the, the good guys. Um, Possibly, I think maybe Drew from Silent Winter, simply because I put him through such a horrible time of things, you know. I know I normally torture my characters, but I did put him through a terrible time. And, you know, at one point I nearly didn't write that book because the subject matter was too, a bit too horrible to even contemplate. The idea of being shut in total darkness, not being able to move or 
sea for four months was just so horrific that I thought I'm not sure I can write this novel so I think yeah possibly Drew from Silent Winter you know I, you know if I ever met him in real life I'd have to give him a heartfelt apology for what I did to him <laughs> <laughs> but then he should have known better really to pop up in one of my books you know my characters should expect terrible things to happen to them really yeah they kind of don't have a choice though <laughs> No, I really, no. But I mean, I let him live. You know, some of my characters don't actually live. So, you know, he did survive. He might be a bit psychologically damaged after his experience, but, you know, he's still alive. You know, he ended up, you know, getting through it all. So he can't really complain. <laughs> I think he kind of can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you might be right on that. But, you know, watch out. I might end up putting you in one of my books and doing terrible things for you. <laughs> Oh God, I've, I've been a um, a sex mad politician, so all oh, right, yeah. So bring it on, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, who knows? I might even be nice and give you some choice in what happens to you. Or then again, I might not. <laughs> God. <laughs> I had um, another guy um, say that he's writing a book, and sometimes he randomly messages me, and he said. I've given you to a husband. I was like, oh, thanks. I was like, can you do that in real life, please? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just randomly get a message from him like, oh, I've done this with your character. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's actually quite fun, people you know in books. I mean, I've done it a few times now and I don't actually put the person's character in the book. I just use their name, but I think it's still fun for all concerned. I mean, I had five people who I know, they popped, popped up in She'll Never Tell, you know, and I acknowledge that at the back of the book, you know, that I use their names. But, yeah, it's fun for all concerned, I think. I made two of them policemen. Um, one was a loving husband. Who else was there? Oh, yeah, one was a pathologist and the other was a, a coroner's office assistant. So they popped up in all different roles and uh, <laughs> nothing terrible happened to any of them. So I was quite merciful, really. <laughs> yeah. If you ever put Tony in a book. I wouldn't know where to start, to be honest, you know. <laughs> I might make a sex mad politician. That would be good, wouldn't it? Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Yes, you could yes. have so much fun with that. <laughs> oh, I could. Yeah, I could be quite merciless, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good idea. But then, you see, he's an author as well. He could get this, his revenge about the same way. I could end up, you know, in, in terrible dire straits in one of his books. So I think it's probably best if, you know, if we don't go down that route. <laughs> It does have a proper author off with each other and just keep putting each other in and doing horrible things. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, yeah, that could, that could end badly for all concerned, really. So I think in order to keep our friendship the way it is, you know, maybe I won't put Tony in a book. Yeah, I can see your point, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, out of all the books you've written so far, what's been your most fun scene to write and what's been the most difficult? the most fun thing um well they've all been fun in some ways and they've all been difficult in some ways as well I think uh most fun one I think it would probably have to be the first one his kidnapper's shoes simply because it was the first one so it was just kind of a magical moment for me having dithered for so long so many decades about actually getting down to writing and then making the plan that I will sit down and write every day and I will not leave because I was traveling at the time I will not leave this city until I've finished this book and actually following through on that you know after so much procrastination as I say over several decades was magical 
And I still recall that moment when I typed the last word. I mean, it was a very long, very messy draft. It was, um, I think it was like 147,000 words and the final book is something like 82. So it's a lot of rubbish, which I had to get pruned out. Wow. You know, it was long, it was rambling. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I, you know, I, I started writing with no real plan and then I just sort of had one sentence for each chapter where it was going to go so it was very it was very messy but it was the fact that I'd done it and I you know I did it in um, Sucre which is an incredibly beautiful Bolivian city one of my favorite places on the planet you know so the surroundings were great and there's this magical moment when I when I finished the book and it was just oh I've done it you know I don't care if it's long it's messy I've done it so that was that was an incredible moment most difficult one um it might well be she'll never tell for the reasons I've just outlined you know it's I started writing it when I was in a bit of a writing funk and it, I almost gave up on it but then on the other hand as I said Silent Winter was very difficult to write because the, the subject matter I found quite distressing and I thought I'm not sure if I could write about that so what I do do with every book is set myself a bit of a challenge with them so you know that's been quite yeah, it keeps writing each book fun. For example, someone said to me, "Oh, we think it's really difficult to write an entire novel in the present tense." And I thought, well, "I don't, I don't see that." So I decided to, you know, to actually do that with a book. And then somebody said, "You can't write a book with one character as the main point of view all the way through." So I decided to do that, and that that keeps it quite fun. I mean, my next book, which is um, scheduled, I've not put it on pre-order yet, but scheduled to come out just before, just after Christmas, rather. I actually just got the idea for a, a great title in my head and I just went with it from there. So, and I've never done that before. I always find titles really difficult, but I got this idea for a title and I just thought, how can I write a book with that title? So that's been a, quite a different challenge for this book. So we'll see how that goes. I've been busy, before we came on this call, I was busy plotting things out and uh, making life difficult for my characters. <laughs> Bless them. <laughs> Um, totally forgot. Oh, um, do you have any phobias and would you write about them? Um, I'm mildly scared of heights, not too bad. So I think probably not that one. I'm not over keen on spiders, but again, it's only, only mild. Um, so no, I don't think so. I don't think there's anything that if I had an extreme phobia, then I think yes. And one that would, you know, was affecting my life. And I think, yes, that could be subject matter, but you know, a mild dislike of spiders and a mild concern about heights is never going to make great subject matter. So I think probably not, you know, no. And I'm also, I'm quite reluctant to put anything deeply personal in a book. So I think even if I did have an extreme phobia, I don't think I want to write about it. I know some people do, or some writers do pour a lot of themselves, you know, they're in a nature into a book. And I'm quite keen not to do that because at my heart, I'm quite a private person, so I like to keep myself out of my books. I don't mind, you know, I'm all, all my books are set in Bristol, which is where I lived, and I don't mind sharing snippets about life in Bristol and, you know, some stuff from my travelling and my previous life of, as an accountant have gone, gone into some of my books, but that's nothing very personal. So it's possible it might happen, but I'm not sure about that. It feels a bit too, too revealing to do anything like that. <laughs> Um, when you edit what's your most overused word or phrase um my 
my characters tend to have a lot of gut problems. Their guts clench a lot. <laughs> so I've picked, been picked up on that a few times. And my the uh, the editor who worked with me on two of my books said that I misused the word hell a lot. You know, I'd be saying, what the hell's going on? You know, and I, I don't know. I mean, it's not particularly a word I use a great deal in real life, but my characters tend to. So I think a lot of authors have sort of, you know, author quirks for whatever I mean I've seen it in other books you know think I've seen that phrase a few times and again a good editor and a good beta reader should hopefully winkle that out but it's hard you know if I've got one of my uh, characters in a a difficult situation you know it's hard for me not to you know have a a gut-clenching moment with them (laughs) yeah um and I've I've started asking this question and every author knows their word or their phrase off the top of their head they know straight away what it is Yes, and, uh, yes. Yeah. which makes me laugh. And also, they're quite similar. Uh, just has come up a few times, swear words, obviously. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's a funny question. I like it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good one. I suspect that all authors are a bit like that. You know, it's, um, I'm not sure why, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm more conscious of it now. You know, I've been picked up on it a few times. And I do try. <laughs> Somebody said that um, a few of my beta readers with She'll Never Tell said that, oh, you know, too many uh, characters got tears sliding down their cheeks and when I did a check <laughs> yeah, I mean there's a lot of crying going on in the book because of what I was doing to the characters but yeah they all had tears sliding down their cheeks oh whoop that's got to go um if you were to be um a bad character in a book how would you kill your victims oh that's a fun one um yeah I'm trying to think well, I think obviously I'd have to get away with it and I'm not I'm not a sort of violent person so I think it'd have to be very stealthily and just by coincidence yesterday for my uh, for the book I'm writing at the moment I was actually googling stuff on on how to kill somebody and make it look like an accident <laughs> so I think it would definitely be an accidental death um how I don't know um I mean, what I was looking into yesterday was sort of, you know, how to push somebody from great height and make it look like an accidental fall, something like that. Um, Yeah, so I'm not quite sure. I think it might depend on the character and how much I hated them and everything and, you know, what the circumstances were that led me to murder them. But, yeah, I think I'd have to get away with it. So the other thing I considered was actually sort of, you know, hiring a hit person to go and do it. So, uh, (laughs) you know, and giving myself a cast iron alibi at the same time. So I'd be like drinking in the pub while the murder took place and it was nothing to do with me. (laughs) Yeah, apart from the fact a lot of money went out of my bank account, obviously. So... Yeah, follow the money. That's what they always say, isn't it? Yes. You always find. <laughs> yes, yeah, follow the money. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, good one. Yeah, I'd have to think more, more about that. But I think, yes, I suspect it would be like, you know, an accident, you know, in, in inverted commas. <laughs> um, it's a question that Malcolm Hollandrake asked me when he interviewed me and I said I'd stab someone a hundred times. I still don't think he's really got over that. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably terrified. Poor old Malcolm's probably still carrying in a corner somewhere. Nah. Yeah. yeah. We, we met after that at Harrogate and he still gave me a hug, so it's fine. Oh, that's right. Then. But did you sort of check it out? You didn't have any knives on you first? He may very well have done, and I just didn't notice because I was so excited to meet him. But <laughs> yeah. he's a lovely guy. He's so, so nice. The only thing about that was, I mean, you'd get blood everywhere, wouldn't you? You know, just sort of, yeah, it's a bit messy, isn't it, really? Yeah, he's like, why 100? I'm like, I don't know. 
just yeah. came to my head. <laughs> nice round number. And you know the job will get done, don't you? You know, if you stab somebody a hundred times, they're probably not, not going to live through that. So exactly, remind, yeah. remind me never to get on your wrong side. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what Malcolm thought as well, bless him. <laughs> yeah, I bet he's going to be very nice to you from now on. It's like you, you'll probably never come up a tall building with me in case I throw you off. <laughs> I'd like to see you try. <laughs> well, we could have a fun fight and then go to the pub, couldn't we? To sort of, uh, have yeah. A yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably could it be awesome? Like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to say, I think that's a scenario that probably won't ever happen, which is probably good all round, really. You know, yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Um, if you were to be a character in anyone's book, who would you be? Um, hmm, let's see. I've just finished reading Billy Summers by Stephen King, his latest novel, and I, I just the reviews have been great, and I felt thought it was amazing. Um, so possibly I could reincarnate as Billy Summers. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Um, pick the female character and that lead female character because she goes through some pretty awful stuff in the book um but yeah that was amazing but my all-time favorite book by Stephen King is 112263 so I think I'd uh, I'd probably be the, the lead female role in that whose name has completely just gone out of my head but I thought it was a magical <laughs> book I would love you know I think I'd, I'd like to be, be the female in that so that'd be good I agree. I, it's amazing. Uh, such an amazing book. I w- I'd love to reread it, but it's long and I have so many arcs. <laughs> I don't have time, but yeah. yeah. And also, I'd be a bit worried that maybe the second time it would lose some magic because for, for me, I thought it was just jaw droppingly good. You know, it's one of my favorite books of all time. You know, that man is a complete genius with words. And I think, you know, Billy Summers is, isn't a brilliant book, but 112263 takes it to a whole different level. It's incredible. So absolutely perfect ending. Cause I know he gets criticized sometimes for not having good endings to his, to his books. And I thought the ending to that, that book was amazing. Just brought tears to my eyes. It was perfect. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, it is phenomenal. I'll have to read Billy Summers. I keep seeing it like, keeps teasing me but um yeah I thought it was amazing to me I think a few pages to get hooked I started reading I thought mm, this isn't grabbing me but very soon it did pull me in and that's got an amazing ending as well I think you know he pretty much nailed the ending on that one but in a very very different way so yeah you have to let me know what you think once you've read it yeah I might um take it to Scotland with me at the weekend <laughs> um yeah what was I just gonna say Oh, Needful Things was one of the first Stephen King books I read. And that's oh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, Leland Gaunt, what a character. Fantastic idea for a book and so clever. But the ending, as far as I remember, was just weird. I was like, mm. what the hell am I reading now? But yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's written some absolute crackers. He really has. So uh, yeah, the man is a genius in my humble opinion, so... Yes, yes, absolutely. Mm. <laughs> um, so, which leads me to another of my interesting questions. If you were able to spend a day with any author, dead or alive, who would it be? 
I think it would have to be Stephen. The only problem is, I think I'd be so in awe of him that I don't think I'd be able to speak two words. And, you know, I'd probably <laughs> ask him really crass questions, which he's been asked a million times before. So, yeah, that would be a difficult one. I'd have to, you know, psych myself up for that one. But, yeah, imagine picking his brains on the subject of writing, you know, and just sort of... Because from what I gather, he, he like uses a technique of writing into the dark. He doesn't plot his books too too much. And I just, I'm in awe of authors who can do that because I, I can't really do that at all. So I'd love to sort of get some insight into the sort of actual mechanics on how he writes a book and how he can generate such complex plots if he doesn't really know where the story is going. So yeah, I think that'd be fascinating to explore with him. Yeah. And yeah. um, if you were to meet any um, authors now in real life, who would you most fan guide over? Um, well, I'm not going to say Tony. His head's big enough as it is. So. <laughs> 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 I have actually met Tony. He's absolutely lovely. So but I'm definitely not going to fangirl all over him. You know, that would uh, that probably freak him out, to be honest. So That's um, why you should do it. It keeps him on his toes. Oh, that's true. Yes, especially I could threaten him. You know, maybe I was threatened to stab him a hundred times or something. <laughs> but no, he knows I'm far too nice to do anything like that. So, um, I would think um, I've just read I've read a few of Steve Kavanagh's books, and the latest one being The Devil's Advocate. And I always think he writes an incredible novel. You know, they're very, very detailed, very intricately plotted. And I'd love to sit down with him and just talk writing tips and everything. So. Him or possibly Chris Carter. I mean, Chris Carter's a bit gory for some people's taste, and sometimes I've been a bit whoa when I've been reading them, but they're still amazing reads, really, really good, you know. So yeah, I think it was Steve or Chris, they'd be they'd be great to sit down with. Hey, have you ever seen um Chris Carter interview? Do, do you know his history? No, I don't know much about him. I've you know, I've just read a few of his books now, and but I don't know much about the guy himself. Uh, he's had quite an amazing life um I can't remember exactly but you'd have to look him up I think he was on the um the podcast that Stuart James used to do and oh, I was gobsmacked at, at some of the stuff and he didn't start writing until quite late I think he was in a band and mm. um and stuff and yeah he's had quite an awesome life it's definitely yeah. worth looking him up yeah we'll do yeah mm. sounds interesting yeah yeah so uh I don't imagine our paths will ever cross, but yeah, he's not, I think he's a great, great novelist. I've got one of his books on my Kindle now to read as my next on my TBR pile. So, yeah. Yeah, I've read all of them except for the latest one, the same as Steve Kavanagh. I've read all of them, but the latest one. Yeah. I've, I don't think I've read all of Steve Kavanagh's. So I think there's um, also one with, about the two sisters. I've not read that 50, one. 50 50. Yeah, 50 50. I'm, I'm absolutely hopeless with titles. I can never remember book titles. Uh, that is just stunning really so clever and all the way through you're changing your mind and you just don't know and then at the end it sort of twists again a few times before he finally reveals oh really really out of this world good that is that's, oh, I must yeah. put that on the list then I mean I, th I thought 13 was the first book of his that I read I thought wow it's amazing I mean just the tagline on the on the front of the book you know the killers on the jury you know just hooked me in straight away brilliant so yeah. good that will remain one of the best taglines I think I've ever seen for a book like yeah. that totally I'm, I'm reading this book I need to read this book and find out what on earth 
Yeah. Well, I can't remember the whole tagline, but it's something like the killer isn't in the dock, he's on the jury or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Not jealous of his skills at all. It's fine. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, no, no. 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 <laughs> Got my fingers crossed here. Actually, the authors say that, you know, you shouldn't have comparatonitis. You know, it's um, I, I always find authors like that are actually an inspiration in many ways. Like, I mean, OK, I'll never be at Stephen King level, but the man is such a genius. It's, it's amazingly inspiring, I think, you know, to to see what he can do the, with the written word. So, yeah, I tend to rather than get jealous. I tend to get really inspired by people like that. Yeah, and I find that actually is the case for all authors. I haven't found jealousy. It just isn't a thing um, outwardly anyway, I find very often, um, you know, authors seem to be supportive and and try and boost each other rather than, you know, that, oh, he's doing really well and I hate him. <laughs> That's not the case. That's absolutely been my experience as well. I think who hasn't fitted that profile, everyone else, absolutely other authors are so friendly so supportive they're always willing to help you know they know that you know if your book's doing well it doesn't take anything away from their books so there's no reason not to help other authors really you know it's um we can all help each other out really it's uh, i think other authors know how it can be a very difficult profession in many ways it's very isolating because you're sitting alone in a room you know wrestling words into submission day after day it can it's it's difficult and you're obviously subject to a lot of criticism you have to put your book out there for people to review and you know some people aren't nice you know they're not they can't be very critical it can be difficult you know and then then there's all the other things you have to do like the marketing and promoting and things like that I think other authors get it you know so that's why we tend to be supportive yeah, and I find some of the bigger names even only only think that they've got where they are because of luck, not because they're better than, you know, the, the sort of indie authors just because they've had more luck. I've never yeah. heard one of the sort of bigger name authors say that their Brighton's better. They're like, no, I just got lucky. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, the only people I've ever heard is say my writing is superb and wonderful and I'm the most brilliant author in the world or actually you know authors who are possibly on their first book and you know I don't know I have have come across that attitude but it's never been with a from a successful author so I don't know I mean some people are just deluded aren't they about their skills in life so everybody think they're better authors but I think a lot of writers are actually very modest about their, their writing skills. We all go through days where we read back what we've written the day before and you think, my God, that's terrible. You know, it's, it's, it can be very difficult to sit back because you, you can't have an objective viewpoint. It's very easy to get dispirited about what you write and, you know, to think it's, it's crap when maybe it's, it's perfectly OK. I don't know. Yeah, I know. But you're all weird anyway. I mean, you know, you, you put yourself through this torture and then, you know, you mark it, which you all hate and stuff. And then you get your reviews and then you're like, yeah, that's cool. I'd enjoyed that. I'll do it again. <laughs> again. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, for me, it beats being an accountant, to be honest. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's the best job in the world for me anyway. You know, I wouldn't actually be doing anything else, you know, and that's 
I say that after six years full time, you know, I did have about 18 months where, you know, I went through a low patch with my writing. So, and I still think it's like the best job in the world, you know, um, it, it can be difficult, you know, I procrastinate like everyone else and uh, yeah, have my days where, you know, I think, oh, what am I doing? But yeah, it's, it's brilliant, you know, just to, to create books. I mean, I love books so much and to be actually able to create my own books, just not read it on other people's, but to write my own is amazing. And what's been your uh, standout favourite moment since you became an author? Um, I think there's two really. One is the one I've already described when I was I was in Bolivia and I actually finished writing the first book. That was just amazing. And even when I went ahead to indie publish that book, the moment of publication came second to the actual moment when I finished writing it. That was a magical moment for me in so many ways. You know, I remember at the time, I just, I just tears welled up in my eyes. It's going back to that cliche again about tears sliding down my cheeks. That's pretty much what happened. <laughs> yeah. I got very emotional, very choked up. Yeah, I've done it. And then I took myself off out to celebrate and everything. And uh, at the time, nobody knew I was writing a novel, so I didn't tell anyone. It was like this wonderful glowing secret I had inside. And I think the other moment is when I just finished work one day, it's about five o'clock in the afternoon and my phone went and I almost didn't answer it because it was an unknown number. And I was thinking, oh, another scam call about my car's warranty or something. And in, instead, it was the acquisition, one of the acquisitions editors at Lake Union saying how much she'd loved his kidnapper's shoes. And uh, she's all she's very sort of cagey in that first phone call. She just kept telling me how much she loved the book and uh, she wanted to know a bit more about me and my writing and what I had planned and everything. And she was saying things like, well, um, I wonder if we can perhaps work together in the future, but I can't say too much at this stage, but can I come back to you in a couple of weeks? And I'd heard about this sort of thing happening. So I actually knew that she was thinking of offering me a publishing contract. But, you know, that again, that was a magical moment. And again, I couldn't say anything about it because I didn't want to go around telling people because nothing had been signed, sealed. You know, she could have come back to me in two weeks and said, you know, sorry, nothing doing. So, but yeah, I mean, I was, I was on a high. I went out to sell it. I went out with friends that evening and it was, it was difficult because I was having to bite my tongue. I thought, oh, I want to say something and I can't. <laughs> but yeah, sure enough, in two, two weeks time, she did get back on the phone to me and said, we'd like to offer you a two book publishing contract. So that was pretty good. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. Thank you. So what do you like to do in your free time? What do I do in my free time? Oh, I love to, really into healthy eating, keeping fit and everything. I've got a home, my home gym, which I love doing stuff like that. And I've got a temporary dog residence with me, res, residing with me at the moment. So we go out dog walking each day. Reading, obviously. Um, I love cooking, anything to do with food, going out for meals. I like camping as well. I'm just about to take up archery, which is something a bit different. I did a taster course on archery and I just found I really clicked with it. So at the moment, I, I'm looking into local clubs. I went along to one last weekend to talk about joining them. I'm looking into doing classes at my local uh, local gym so yeah something a bit different I think the main thing for me I've always had this huge love of foreign travel so you know travel for me just lights up my world I love it and as you can imagine things are slightly frustrating in that respect at the moment because I can't just go and book a trip but you know I'm I'm confident we will get there eventually and the next time I do go abroad it's going to mean all the more to me because I've you know I've had my feet 
in the UK for so long. So uh, yeah, that will be good. And if you were able to travel to any period of time, either forward or backwards, where would you go? Um, maybe I'll go backwards in time because that's um, that's kind of a known quantity. I'd love to go forward in time, but then that could be scary as well. You know, if you go forward in time and you see sort of, you know, bad things and I don't I don't know but it'd be interesting to know what's ahead what's ahead of us particularly when there's all these big questions at the moment about climate change global warming you know we're exhausting the earth's resources and things like that so um, on the one hand it'd be scary to go like 100 years into the future and see where we are on the other hand who knows so yeah I think I'd go forward but I think I'd have to think very carefully first about whether I could deal with what I might see and if that, that was the case, maybe I'd decide to go back in time. And I think I'd probably go back to Victorian times because it's not so, you know, it's not like going back to medieval times when things were a bit barbaric and you could get burned at stake, you know. As a single female who loves black cats, I don't think I'll go back to those times. So, <laughs> um, and I'm obviously I'm not saying Victorian times were perfect, but it's an interesting period, not too long ago. And yeah, I think that, that would interest me to go back, back to Victorian times. Um, a silly question, who was your first celebrity crush? First celebrity crush? Um, trying to think. Going back in time now to when I was 11 and the Bay City Rollers were around. And believe me, it was none of them. Uh, definitely wasn't Gary Glitter. He was around at that time. It might be, was it Donny Osmond or David Cassidy? It might be one of those two. Um, Probably. To, well, I think, I think maybe Donny Osmond, yeah. You know, I just cringe when I think of that now because they're all so super clean cut and nice, nice boys, weren't they, and everything. But uh, yeah, yes, I think I'd have to say Donny Osmond, you know, to my internal shame, you know. <laughs> it's embarrassing to admit these things. So common. It's either Donny Osmond or David Casty, and then it's Blondie or I can't remember who the women are, but it's the same people. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, good. At least I'm not alone in this then, yes. So, yeah. Yeah, my mum was Donny Osmond and her sister was on the David Cassidy side. So oh. I've heard all about it growing up as well, about them too. So <laughs> I knew. I mean, I didn't even like the Osmond's music, you know. I don't I don't remember being a fan of the, the music. It's just that, you know, that cheesy grin, you know, with the blindingly white teeth and everything. I mean, they're all so incredibly good looking, weren't they? So... Yeah, I'm sure there's some other embarrassing ones which will pop up later in my head, but <laughs> thankfully I've forgotten them all at the moment. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That'll do. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry I could be more original, but, you know, hey, Donny Osmond obviously had it for women of a certain age. Yep, I know. I, I don't know. I don't see it, but hey. <laughs> but, uh, believe me, I don't see it anymore, but, you know, I was, I was about 11 or 12 at the time, you know, you've got to make excuses. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I did have an embarrassing one. He wasn't. He wasn't a. a oh, I suppose he, yes, he was a celebrity. I did have a little thing at one time for uh, Tim Brooke Taylor, <laughs> which again makes me want to sort of you know bang my head against the screen and you know think, what was I thinking? You know, yes, not good. Well, some of the guys have uh, had crushes on cartoon characters, so mm. I don't think you can really get weirder than that. So oh, I think right. it's safe. I have to honestly. 
say, I, I never fancied Mickey Mouse or Daffy Duck or, you know, so, so yeah, there's obviously hope for me yet then. Yes, yeah. yeah. No cartoon characters. No. No. I don't judge. I just smile. Okay. Yes, yes. Uh, well, some people say they have like sort of book crushes, don't they? They sort of like they fancy Mr. Darcy from Pride and Prejudice, you know, sort of they fancy some character from a book. And I don't think I've ever done that. So Bliss. I love Bliss. I don't care what anyone says. I know I do like real. Yeah, I I do like Bliss, yeah, but I haven't got a crush on him. I like reading about him, but yeah, I've got a crush on him. So he's all yours, you know. We're never going to be love rivals. Good, because I I would fight dirty for Bliss, because <laughs> I know that <laughs> Naomi, she likes him as well. So oh, right. to... two of two of your Blissettes. I'm a Blissette in a sort of different sense, you know. I love reading about him. And I love his relationship with Chandler. That's so well done. But yeah. Yeah, I don't uh, don't have romantic designs on on Jimmy and that dusty part of his anatomy. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'd have to sort that out. Oh yeah, I don't think um, I think Tony's never going to live that down. You know, he's going to be reminded of that sort of phrase in his book, which you know, if, if uh, whoever's watching this interview has never read the book, they think, "What the hell are those two going on about?" I'm not going to I'm not going to name the part of his anatomy that was dusty. No. <laughs> Me either. No. I mean, I've tried to read that <laughs> Im- image from my mind, but there was just in there. You can't get rid of it. I think only bleach and a wire brush would get that image out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny! That is so. That's so funny. I think I was howling with laughter when I read that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Cheeky devil. Yeah. yeah. I um. I warned him that we were speaking today. I said, if your ears start burning, then that's why. <laughs> Oh, Lord, he's probably sinking a Guinness right now and, you know, he's thinking, what the hell are those two going to chat about? <laughs> yeah, I know. We should have not mentioned him at all. I don't know if he'd be most offended or relieved. <laughs> I think he'd probably be relieved, to be honest. But, you know, hey, we've been saying all nice things about him and his writing and his characters and stuff. So Exactly, yeah. yeah. Always. Because we love Tony. Yeah. We love AJ. <laughs> Yeah, bless him. Um, books. We were here to talk about books. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, I got a bit sidetracked there, but uh, well, we were talking about authors, so it's kind of same thing. Yeah, because Tony needs a bigger head already. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you were to be a fictional villain for a day, who would you be? Oh, fictional villain. Ooh, good question. There's so many wonderful ones to choose from. Um, I think we were talking earlier about Leland Gaunt. I mean, he's interesting because he's not your cardboard cutout villain, is he? He's very, I don't know, he's got so many layers to him, but um, I'm not sure he's quite evil enough for me. I think because I'm such a lovely, nice person. I think if I was going to ring it as a, as a, a bad guy, I'd have to go the whole hog. So I think I'd have to have it there. What about, what about that guy? You know, the, the guy who's, uh, again, I can never remember characters' names, the guy who's on the jury. That would be fun because he's such a twisted character. Mm, yeah, that's that's a good call. Yeah, I can't, don't ask me. I've closed a book and the characters' names have gone. When I go to write the review, I have to go back a few pages to, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I've just read 300 or pages. How can I forget their names that quickly? Gone, done, every time. 
yeah I think you're probably like me I mean you probably read so many books I mean I love you know it's not that I don't like the book and it's not that they're not memorable it's just that I read so many books it's hard for any of them to stand out I mean, I'll read one titles and characters and sometimes the author's names. So just the way it is. I mean, generally, I've got a good memory, but when it comes to that sort of thing, no, don't remember them. Yeah, I find um, doing this as well that not only that, but I need to remember authors' book titles and their series and their partners' names and their pets' names and their pseudonyms. And yeah. I mean, you know, there's only so much space. I can't remember everything. Well, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can't can't remember stuff like that. So. Yeah, it's too much to ask for. Obviously, you know, some like Blitz, the series, then that's fine. But yeah, I've always <laughs> on. Um, so you said you're working on a book at the moment. And uh, do you know what you're going to do after that? um not really I mean I've got yeah I've got some vague ideas see the one I'm releasing just after Christmas is going to be a novella I'm going short for a change um so I'm still still sort of plotting that one out next year I know I want to I'm not the fastest writer in the world and I don't want to put myself under a lot of pressure so I know I want to release two books um what the second one would be I haven't got a clue no idea um the first one I've got some vague ideas I want to probably examine like mother-daughter relationships and things like that um like a load of authors I've got a list of like potential ideas for a book and some of them I think will never see the light of day um but for a second one I'll probably just go to that list because there's certain things which I know I would like to write about which I haven't done I think for the next one, I think I would, because my books often tend to involve family relationships and sometimes kind of twisted relationships. I think, I think I'm going to look at sort of mother-daughter relationships in that one. Of course, it won't be happy mother-daughter relationships are going to be a bit twisted. So, <laughs> but other than that, it's vague. I mean, I know some authors have got like the next, I know, six books plotted out, maybe because they write in series and I don't, but I don't. It's just like, I know I want to write two books next year. I've got some vague ideas about what I want to write about, but... And it's kind of the same way I travel to be honest when I travel I don't like everything booked in advance and know exactly where I'm going I prefer to have a rough idea in my head that you know okay in a couple of weeks I might be in this place and I never sort of book hotels up in advance or anything like that I prefer to just have a vague scenario and run with it and I tend to be the same with with the books you know I've got a vague plan for next year to write two books what they'll be about I don't know it might be as simple as going to my list of ideas and think yeah that's one you know yeah examine this particular idea I'd like to write about that let's go for it it's possible I might write a trilogy in the future so um, I don't want to commit to a whole series but I can see the idea that a trilogy and having the characters all interlinked, but having like examining one character in book one, moving on to a second character in book two. So each each book would examine a, a prime character. But that's only again is a very, very vague idea. So get to have a cash put on the bones of that. I like the sound of that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it might be nice to have some continuity of characters between some of my books because they're all they've all been standalone so far and I'm happy not writing this series I suspect I will get bored after about 
six, seven, eight books of the same characters, but I could see a trilogy where I could see the end in sight and it just knows going to be three books. I can see that working. And again, I mentioned earlier, I like to challenge myself in the writing, you know, could I in fact write, you know, the same characters over again, but just limit it to a trilogy? It might be worth, it might be fun finding out really. Yeah, we'll see, who knows. <laughs> well, I'll be reading whatever anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. Thanks for being an awesome beta reader for She'll Never Tell. Yeah, your comments really helped. I think all, all my beta readers were great this time around, so yeah. Again, they can point out things that, you know, I'm not realising, like too many tears sliding down cheeks and... <laughs> You know, one person said, why do you give your characters, you know, you mentioned your character and they got the first name and the surname, just give a first name. You don't have to give them a complete name. Yeah, I've been picked up on that before, you know, good point. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a challenge beat reading actually, but I've kind of got more used to it now. And uh, but yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I was corresponding yesterday with another of my beta readers and she said she loves doing it, you know. Um, I mean, I find it a bit uh, bit scary, to be honest, you know, especially if you've got to say, mm, I don't think this bit quite works, you know. Um, I mean, I think to be honest, most authors, if you're tactful enough, you know, that's what they ask beta readers to do, but it still can be a bit nerve-wracking saying, well, I don't think this character quite works and this doesn't seem quite right. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, you may be relieved to know I don't have any more questions for you unless you think there's anything I haven't asked you about. Uh, no, I think I think we're probably good. We'll probably find some awesome questions and answers the minute we stop recording. But no, that's been great. Thank you again for having me on your YouTube channel. It's been fun. This is the second interview we've done, isn't it? So It is. Yeah, it's always nice to chat. So thank you again. It's been fun. You're very welcome. Um, and before we go, would you like to just remind everyone where they can get your books from and where they can find out more about you. Oh, right. Yeah. All my books are available on Amazon. Um, most of them are available in audio book and they're all in ebook and paperback. So if you want to find out about, more about me, my website is www.maggiejamesfiction.com. I'll just say that again, www.maggiejamesfiction.com. And all my books are on Amazon. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, lovely. Thanks. <laughs>